0: Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode. Today I'm going to be doing a Formula 1 kind of news roundup in my 2023 driver predictions. Obviously for the 2023 F1 season. So we're just going to get right into it. I'm going to start with some news that has happened since the, um, I almost said the Australian Grand Prix, obviously not the case. The Hungarian, Hungarian Grand Prix. First and the most obvious piece of news, Fernando Alonso going to Aston Martin to replace the retiring Sebastian Vettel. And nothing but pure chaos ensues afterwards. We have the intense legal battle going on right now. Oscar Piastri, McLaren, and Alpine going at it. The initial problem here was Alpine announcing Oscar Piastri would take over Fernando Alonso's seat in 2023. But about an hour and a half after the original post was sent out on Twitter, Piastri replied with his own tweet, immediately saying that he never agreed to a contract and specifically saying that he would not be driving for the team in 2023. Rumor is that he had already begun talks with McLaren, believing the option for Alpine to promote him had expired. So I know what you're thinking. Doesn't Daniel Ricciardo have a seat at McLaren right next to Lando Norris? McLaren's not going to get rid of Lando Norris, so what about Daniel Ricciardo? What's going on with Danny Rick? Apparently, McLaren have told Danny Rick he's out. Um, Ricciardo put out a statement before the French Grand Prix saying that he was committed to McLaren, trying to quiet the noise around him, possibly losing his seat or retiring after the season was over. It appears that McLaren are willing to buy him out to get Piastri in the seat alongside Lando Norris. Rumors are as high as $21 million to buy out Daniel Ricciardo. I'm going to get to this a little later on when I talk about my driver predictions. But I think Ricciardo has something new in store after this season. Uh, McLaren want to get rid of him, pay out whatever they have to to Alpine, and put Piastri in the seat next to him or next to Lando Norris. Because that's your future for the next 10 years probably sorted out at McLaren as long as nothing were to happen to drive either of them away. Um, Alpine are getting shredded online over this situation. Um, How can you ruin a junior driver's faith in you having backed him since he was in the junior series? He's won Formula 3 and Formula 2 and waited in the wings for a full season from uh, Alpine hoping for a seat never getting the chance, always being behind Fernando Olan. So they finally confirm him, and now he says, I don't even want to be here anymore. So it's kind of interesting to see the reaction that that has uh, given way to um, Alpine's current situation. The other little bit of news is Ferrari still being Ferrari. This news isn't much news as much as it is um, the team principal Mattia Bonato speaking out in interviews on how he thinks the rest of the season will go for the Scuderia. Um Mattia Bonato in one interview says he thinks that the teams could win his team could win every race the rest of the season and doesn't think either title is out of reach for the scuderia Ferrari team. I'm gonna let you laugh for a second before I continue on. In another interview later down the line, uh Benato also stated that Ferrari, quote, just have to live with the pressure of being Ferrari, end quote. A former Ferrari team boss even went as far to say something is wrong at Ferrari and it's not the drivers. Although I will admit the link to the story would not work once I tried to open it and the original story has been removed from the two news outlets that I found it in. Benato also insisted that race strategy is not a weakness for Ferrari. I'll let you laugh again. Obviously, it's been one of the two weaknesses, along with the reliability side of things. There have been so many times that that car was the fastest, and the strategy or reliability ruined it for the team. I mean, just off the top of my head, Monaco, Spain, Baku. Do I need to continue on? I feel like you kind of already got the picture. Anyways, another piece of news. We finally have this long-awaited technical directive, which was originally introduced at Canada, Arriving this weekend at the Belgian Grand Prix at Circuit Spa-Francorchamps, the articles and rumors around the new technical directive, of course, say that Red Bull and Ferrari are the suspected teams of being found to uh, find a way around the rules, a gray area, whatever you like to say. Those are the two teams that are thrown out there the most. What I'm most interested to see is if that's correct or if there's other teams further down the grid who will fall even further down because of this new rule. If you are missing out on what this new technical directive is, um, teams were finding a way on the plank on the underside of the car to cut holes or cut slots around these holes used to measure skid wear on the plank, on the underside of the car, so that the floor would bend more and not show as much wear when they hit the ground, meaning the teams could run them lower and not have the bouncing, porpoising, anything of the side effects, downsides, negatives of running the car too low with the ground effect floors. So yes, Red Bull and Ferrari are the rumored teams that are finding a way around it mercedes have stated on multiple occasions total wolf andrew Chauvelin, everybody at the team has said they've missed this opportunity to exploit something and they're really shocked that they missed it and having never really thought about it but another interesting part of this for me is will mercedes catch up because of it or will they themselves fall back are they bluffing and they're the ones that got caught or are they being serious and the two in front are actually finding this cheap way around and going to fall closer to the W13. Now I'm going to say a little uh, little bit of first-half awards kind of deal, just a few major topics that I would go over throughout the season, my favorites or best in each. I'm going to start out with top three drivers, in my opinion, a little bit of reasoning why for each. Um, first, I don't think you can argue he's been near perfect, Max Verstappen. You really can't get much better than him this season. On track, no one can seemingly compete with him in the slightest. I mean, he started 10th in Hungary and quietly came through the field and was leading the race after the final pit cycles were through. Many of the races this season were won by him easily, and the people watching knew it was never truly in doubt. I mean, I think to Canada when Carlos Sainz is giving chase to Max Verstappen in the closing stages of the race, and the one time Carlos got close enough to use the DRS and have a proper chance at passing Max, he fluffed it up right before the hairpin and never got the actual chance to overtake him. That's the closest to losing a race on his own merit Max Verstappen has come this season while he was leading a race. Any other race that he was winning the only times he would lose it is something went wrong. Whether the car failed, uh, he ran over debris at Silverstone while he was leading uh, and fell back to, I believe, ninth, 8th or ninth, 7th maybe, somewhere at the bottom end of the points. Anytime he gets out front, as long as the car holds up, so does he. It's been very impressive to watch. My next second-best driver this season is George Boy, George Russell, Georgie Boy. Um... He's making the best of a bad Mercedes car. I mean, George finished in the top five of every race apart from when he crashed out lap one at Silverstone. After the Australian Grand Prix race number three of the season, George Russell was sitting second in the Drivers' Championship, ahead of both Perez and Max Verstappen, obviously ahead of Sainz and Hamilton as well, only chasing Charles Leclerc, getting his podium, first podium at Mercedes, not at Sakir. But Georgie Boy has been very impressive, even out-qualifying, out-racing Lewis Hamilton at the beginning of the season on regular occasions now, even getting the shock pull in Hungary and leading for a good part of that race. Georgie Boy's been on the ball this season. It's been great to watch. You know he's deserved this drive for a long time, outperforming the Williams for years, now finally getting a chance in the top team. And he is making every, taking every opportunity and running with it, I should say. Sorry. My third and final top three driver has to be Lando Norris, the only driver not to be in the big three of Ferrari Mercedes Red Bull to have a podium this season coming at Imola. Whether the car is as bad as Ricardo looks or not, Norris is dragging this thing to points in every single race outside of Bahrain. Um, Every other race that nothing goes mechanically wrong with the car, Norris is in the points. And Bahrain was so bad, neither car finished in the top 12. There's still that iconic image of him racing for P6, I believe, in Saudi at the line, ending up, you know, first race in the points, second race of the season. But Lando's outperformed that car all season. Whether you want to say Danny Rick is washed or not, the car is obviously not as competitive as they want it to be, battling Alpine for P4 and the Constructors just now having lost that spot at the last race. I think Lando's been one of the top three drivers of the season. It's hard to find faults with what he's done so far. My favorite stories from the season, I have three. Uh, my first one being Valtteri Bottas becoming the team leader at Alpha Romeo, seeing Valtteri leave the pressure cooker that is Mercedes, and being so much more relaxed and happy is the best thing that anyone could have hoped to see for him. And the vibes that he was giving off at Circuit Paul Ricard for the French Grand Prix were absolutely spectacular My wallpaper on my phone for that weekend was the photo of Valtteri in the shorts, Alpha Team Polo, Paul Ricard bucket hat, shooting a water gun out at people walking by in the paddock. I mean, he's so relaxed and happy. It's unbelievable. The performances have kind of dipped for the team as a whole, not just Valtteri. Starting off the season, he was battling for top sixes almost every single race, getting points all the time. Now the car is being unreliable and not as fast as it was starting the season. Hopefully things turn around, because Valtteri and Guan Yu Zhou, to be fair, both deserve better drives, but Valtteri becoming the team leader and being so relaxed and happy has definitely been one of my favorite things to happen during the season. Next up, Sebastian Vettel's retirement and the ensuing chaos. It's really sad to see Seb go, but my lord, silly season has been silly this season. Um, All kicked off by his retirement. Alonso going to Aston Martin, the Alpine drama, McLaren drama, things that still have yet to unfold that I can't wait to see as well. Anyways, back to Sebastian Vettel. It's going to be really sad to see Seb leave, but everyone knows it's for all the right reasons. After you watched his video that he put out, his Instagram reel, saying he wants to spend more time with his family, his wife and kids, and doing things to help change the world for the better, sustainable fuels um the bees i know are a passion for him he just had his um helmet designed for them the few races ago i believe it was in france it was save the bees um when we went to miami he was wearing shirts saying this would be the first grand prix held underwater in 2030 or 2060 just if we didn't change our ways so it's going to be exciting to see what seb has to do next and we're just we just can't cry because it's over we have to be happy that it happened Seb is going to be missed but it's for all the right reasons so we cannot be upset about it and dwell on it my last third and final favorite story is seeing the Haas gamble paying off after giving up on 2021 season before it even truly began to focus on the 2022 regs and car Haas have jumped up the order in the constructors title currently ahead of Aston Martin Williams AlphaTauri um sitting in p6 and the constructors mick schumacher has calmed down all of the crashing and the team are riding a positive wave after race after race after race even when the results aren't showing it the car is so much better than they even could have hoped mick started the year crash happy mistake prone and has since calmed down, getting points on multiple occasions. Kevin Magnussen either being on the fringe of points or just inside of them. Team is scoring consistently, always having good showings throughout the weekend, whether it's fast in practice or fast in qualifying or fast in the race. They're always up there at some point to remind you that if anyone messes up, they're going to be there to take advantage of it. Um, Lastly, my biggest surprise for the season is AlphaTauri's lack of pace. Pierre Gasly in 2021 was a staple in the Q3 sessions, the final 10 fastest qualifiers, and Heck even Yuki finished the season P4 in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix last season at Yas Marina. This year, they're lucky to be, be excuse me, they're lucky to be above P12 at a race with either car. Pierre Gasly has been knocked out in Q1 on multiple occasions, Monaco, France. The list goes on and on when Pierre's is missing out on even Q2 when he was a staple in the final session last season. Um, Yuki sometimes is on it like Blue Bonnet and other times he's so far off the pace you wonder how he's even in F1. I would think for a car that doesn't look much different to the Red Bull parent car and using the exact same engine as the Red Bull parent car, it's really shocking to see how far off the pace they are. I know there's a lot of subtle details. That you're going to point out to me and say, well, this is what Red Bull are doing, and this is what AlphaTauri aren't doing, and blah, 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 blah. But the fact of the matter is, if you put these two cars next to each other, the differences are not that staggering. So seeing AlphaTauri struggle to even score points while Red Bull is running away with the Drivers' and Constructors' Championships is truly shocking. I hope they can turn it around because I do enjoy both drivers there, Pierre and Yuki, but we will have to wait and see on that one. Now I'm going to get into um, my predictions for the 2023 driver lineups, the silly season results, whatever you would like to call it. i was going to get right into it, starting with the reigning Constructors champions, Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, and George Russell. No real drama here. Hamilton has a contract through the end of next season and recently suggested he could race well beyond that. Russell is the future at Mercedes. He knows it. Everyone knows it. There's no real drama here. The team that came second last season in the constructors, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez will spearhead Red Bull's effort next season. Max has that super long extension, which goes to like 2028. And Sergio just signed a contract to the end of 2024. So there's no drama here anytime soon as well. Um, Ferrari, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Both of these drivers are locked up until the end of next season. I believe Sainz is next season and Leclerc is 2024. If not, that they are both 2023 either way, no drama here. Now we're going to get into the drama. I'm going to start off with Alpine. I'm saying Esteban Ocon obviously is confirmed as he has a mega extension to 2026 and Mick Schumacher. How do you like that one? First spicy take off the board. I don't think Alpine will want to take Daniel Ricardo back. He burnt some bridges when he left. And I don't think that Alpine are going to want to put someone that's near the end of their career next to Esteban Ocon in a team that is trying to grow and become championship contenders. Someone that looks as in the form of Daniel Ricciardo is probably not something that's high on Alpine's list unless they can't find another driver. I think Mick Schumacher would fit the bill. Um, I think they're going to go for a long-term future pairing. And bring in the hit and miss of Mick Schumacher over the dwindling skill set of Daniel Ricciardo. I know Ricciardo swears if you give him a competitive car he could win races. But I don't personally see it. I love Danny Rick and I just don't see it happening. I think Alpine take a chance here and get Mick Schumacher. Of course he's attached to the Ferrari Academy though. So I'm sure there's a bunch of naggedy details that have to get worked out there. Next up we're going to McLaren. I think they get their wish to pair Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. Ultimately, McLaren will likely splash the cast to oust Daniel Ricciardo and bring in a fresh face to pair with the experienced yet still very young Lando Norris. And I'm going to spoil the rest of my predictions in this episode. I think Daniel Ricciardo will either be completely ousted from McLaren or drive their IndyCar or Formula E cars next season. In his post he did say that he was committed to McLaren, saying specifically his future in Formula 1, but his contract is with McLaren and if you've paid attention to the signings in IndyCar that McLaren have done, um the names Pato Award, Alex Pole, Felix rosenquist um Pato Award and Alex Pillow both have test slash reserve driver roles possible for Formula 1 written into their contracts with the opportunity to join the Formula 1 team, as well as Felix Rosenquist with Formula E, a series that he's already driven with for McLaren, and Colton Herta also is still a test driver for the team. Also, I don't know if he's directly a McLaren development driver or not because he races for Andretti Autosport, but nevertheless, I think Daniel Ricciardo will likely get thrown to another McLaren team or bought out before he stays in Formula One. I think everybody else is either set in their ways or looking younger to get more experience on the board when their cars compete. Just my opinion. The next team on my list is AlphaTauri. I think the lineup stays the same. Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly. No changes here. Helmut Marcos said Gasly has a contract until the end of 2023, so he is locked in. Sonoda is out of contract at the end of the season, but there's talk that he has a seat um, given to him with some association with Honda and Red Bull, so it's really hard to see him being removed before Porsche's reported future buying of Red Bull Racing. Half of the stock is supposedly going to be bought by Porsche for them to work with the Red Bull Powertrain department and make a future engine with the new 2025 engine regulations. So... I think as long as Honda has an affiliation with Red Bull Racing, Yuki Sonoda will stay in the Alpha Tauri seat. And he has until the new engine rigs or Porsches buyout to prove himself worthy of staying in the seat. Next team up, Alpha Romeo. I think this lineup also stays the same. Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guanyu. No real drama here for me, unless the Alpha Romeo boss, Frederic Vasseur, promotes his diamond in the rough, Theo Pocher up from F2, but I've heard that Zhou Guan Yu will remain in F1 at least until the Chinese Grand Prix returns to the calendar, which at the soonest would be next season, so I think he stays on at Alfa Romeo. Teo Porcher is a wild card to me. I know maybe not a lot of people pay attention to Formula 2. I don't pay the closest attention to it, but I still listen to the news on them, read some articles every now and again, and Porcher has been vocal that he is ready for Formula 1, wants a seat as soon as possible so I think he's going to be aggressive in trying to get a seat. Vassour believes in him because he went out and found him at like age 14 in karting and put him into, the, into their development ranks. Currently in F2 under the Alfa Romeo banner. He's a fantastic driver, but he's still only 18, so I think he's probably still got a little more polishing to do before he's ready for F1. I think Joe will get one more season to prove himself. If not, Theo Porcher will be ready to take over. The next lineup is 100% set in stone. We got Lance Stroll and Fernando Alonso. It's set whether you like it or not. Fernando Alonso will be alongside Lance Stroll in the James Bond Racing Cars for 2023. This one's set, baby. Lance Stroll's dad owns the team. He's staying there until he dies. Fernando Alonso just signed a new contract to um, essentially everything he touches is going to turn to gold. Pay the big bucks gets Fernando Alonso. This team is set. Next team up, we got Haas. I went spicy here because I said Mick Schumacher left. I say they signed Felipe Drugovich to go alongside Kevin Magnussen. If my prediction of Mick Schumacher leaving Haas is true, I don't think they're going to want to replace him with a crazy or unreliable driver. And there's no way that the Haas team that is struggling to survive, so they say, can afford Ricardo. So I say they just signed the F2 championship leader, Felipe Drugovich, even if it's just for 2023 as a stopgap signing. Drogovic is not a bad driver. Don't take that any wrong way. But also, once you win F2, you cannot race F2 anymore. I think that he has the talent to at least be a solid set of hands to go alongside Kevin Magnussen, finish with the car in one piece. Might not be the most stellar, not the fastest driver, but he'll get the job done. I think at worst, he'd be a 2023 stopgap. I don't really know who else Haas would get if Mick Schumacher leaves, but... I'm just going to think that they're going to go for, like I said, solid set of hands. I don't think that they want the drama or the crashing that came with Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin, so they'll probably want someone a little more consistent, and Drogovich, to me, fits the bill, still being young and being solid set of hands. Last team on the grid, Williams. Alex Albon has signed a new contract through 2024, I believe. It was a multi-year contract and I think they're going to pair him with Logan Sargent. Nicholas Latifi could stay here, but Williams have notably said that they don't need paid drivers to stay afloat anymore, so why not bring in a young driver to develop while the car isn't competing for wins, so he's ready when you are. Sargent has been in the driver academy for at least the past two seasons, driving an F2 this season. The last few races have seen him, explode his stock winning in Silverstone and competing for wins in every single race up in the top five in the points only really behind tail Porcher and Felipe Drogovic consistently with other drivers playing you know um shoot I'm blanking on the name piggyback you know whatever that is jumping over the back everybody leapfrogging everybody that's what they're doing sergeants consistently been in the top five in f2 He's right there and ready for F1. If Latifi stays, then obviously it's Albon and Latifi. If not, I think Sargent is the number one replacement option for the team. And I'm going bold, baby. I say Logan Sargent and Alex Albon for Williams. The two things I'm looking forward to for the rest of this season are obviously the results of the silly season. I mean, what's the 2023 grid going to turn out like? I made my predictions. You heard them. Let me know if I'm wrong or right. Um, I know I'm not going to be 100% correct, but I just can't wait to see what the actual results will be. I'm sure there will be a shock driver or a swap or something in there that we're not expecting. Obviously, we've already had the Piastri, McLaren, and Alpine drama, so I can't wait to see what's next. The other thing I'm looking forward to is seeing next, year's schedule, next season's schedule. We have to add in Qatar, who took the year off to focus on their World Cup. And likely China will be returning. While we have some other tracks out of contract like France, Monaco, Spa. We also have to factor in that Vegas is coming in. So do any of these tracks get new contracts? Or do Qatar, Vegas, and China push them all three out? We still have room for 24 races. Under the current contract between the drivers and F1. Do they really push that limit though? We also did lose Russia from the season. So we have 22 this season. We're losing three. Putting three new ones on the calendar. We still have room for two more races. Does a new track get on the calendar? Does an old track return? I would love to see. This is me personally. I love circuit spa francochamp. I would love to see Spa stay. I would love to see Monaco Monaco go. If France stays, I would want it to be a new circuit because Paul Ricard is trash to race on. But sorry if there's a French person listening to this. But Um, Tracks like Hockenheim, Nürburgring, if you want to talk America, I don't really think you need to because we already have three races here, but um, tracks like Laguna Seca, Sonoma, the Daytona Road Course, Um, trying to think off the top of my head some other tracks, but you know, Magella would be cool to see again, in Italy, Um, but yeah, I mean there's so many other tracks that would be cool to see as well. Just be curious to see if they stick with 22. I'm sure they will find a way to add more. If they go to that full 24, it would be interesting to see how they work it out. Or if they just go for 22 or find a medium 23, something like that. You know Stefano Stefano Domenicali, the CEO, loves his money, 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 money. So he's probably going to take every advantage that he can to put as many races on the calendar as possible. I'm excited to see where we end up. But that's all I got for this episode, guys. I will be here for the Belgian Grand Prix preview episode, the week of spa unless something else happens in the F1 world. Um, But, yeah, that's all I got for this episode. I will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.